many years in bondage to wearing suits and ties. And I just get a real attitude when I look in the Bible and see that Jesus' disciples didn't wear them. And they had a whole lot more anointing than what I do. And so, I just looked at her and I said, you know, I've just always been kind of a maverick. And we got onto this little, just as I'm ready to go out the door, you know, and, and just this little thing, and I said, you know, all of the things that, that we argued and fought and pushed off on others that had no eternal matter whatsoever. No eternal substance. Don't do this, don't do that. And just the other day I was reading about some fine, upstanding assembly of God people saying that they went to a theater and saw a movie. Now, grant you that it is a godly movie. You know, it's uh, the Jesus Revolution. But the irony of everything that we argued over, everything we fought over, and I've got to tell you, even ten minutes ago, if that would be the case, has no eternal weight other than Jesus and Him crucified. What is the greatest thing you possess? What's your greatest possession? Is it difficult to think about? Put your finger on it? To identify it? You know what my greatest possession is? I look at everything, the stuff that I have. My greatest possession is holiness. Purity. I hope that's yours. It's worth guarding. I watch what happens in revivals. I love revivals. I live for them. I could live in one. I mean, it's like I have endeavored to be a living revival since April 5th, 1981. It's like, Lord, I don't want to get over this. This love, this fire, what's burning in me. And somehow, I, I, you know, I have ups and downs like everybody else. I have Monday mornings like everybody else. But it can continue. And that flows out of a holiness. But I watch people go through a revival and, and they, they get, they get the, the presence of God all over them. And in a way they've never experienced him before. In a fire like they've never experienced him before. You know? <laughs> and I have to, I, and now, now that I'm a little bit older in the Lord, I can look back on it and say, yep, that happens. And they start, they start preaching to everybody to be like them. The Lord has given me things to do and to not do. There was an old saying back in the days of, um, oh my goodness, 
Back in the 80, early 70s, since I'm on that subject at the moment, the 70s, and went something like this, that there was a young lady who loved to ride horses with her friend who also loved to ride horses. They'd go riding horses every day, every day. And they just loved that time together, and they shared in that passion and in that activity. And and then one day, uh, the friend shows up and and out walks the one friend that she came to meet. And she says, where's your horse? Is your horse sick? And she says, well, she says, I can't ride today. And I won't be able to ride tomorrow. And I won't be able to ride, I don't know, at least for nine months. I'm pregnant. The doctor said I shouldn't ride. And she says, really? And she had a look of near horror on her face, and she couldn't understand. And she says, no, look, it's okay if you ride. You can ride. I can't. Was it a sin for her to ride? Mm -mm. There are certain things that the Lord will tell you not to do, and He won't tell everybody else that. And not everyone else will agree. Not everyone else will even, will even understand. They may have a look of horror and say, well, we did this so freely and why all of a sudden the change? I like the part, one of the slogans that came out of the Chosen series. That series that's on TV, wonderful. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Avail yourself to watch it. Oh, man, I can't watch that and not be in tears. Has a slogan. With Jesus, everything changes. After him, everything changes. How would we dare say nothing changes or nothing has changed? And every now and then the Lord will say, Rip, I'm requiring this of you. Yeah, but they can do it, but I can't. I've learned not to do that. (laughs) So the greatest thing that we can possess is that which Jesus has purchased for you in his blood. Holiness. You say holiness around the wrong people and they get all, you know, they get their hackles up a little bit and and they say, oh, that was, oh, that's legalism. Tell Jesus that when you see him. I'm not talking about don't play cards. (laughs) I, I did the wrong thing and went to see a movie back in 1983 and man, did I hear it from certain board members. Oh, you weren't, you weren't in the assemblies of God back then. We, we thought holiness was, you, you don't, you don't, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't chew, and you could go right on down the line. You don't go to movies, you don't play cards. Tom's helping me back here. 
You don't even go to bowling alleys. It was spelled out for you in the membership rules. That's not holiness. Is not holiness. And yet, there are some things that we need to pay attention to. So I have some things I want to share with you this morning, and it's got nothing to do with what I do and don't do, and what you should do or don't do. Do you understand that? This is everything to do between you and the Lord and what's in the Word. I've learned early on that if I'm going to preach and I want Him to bless my words, that I'm going to keep it solely to the Word and not speculate. And so I want to bring you some things this morning that are purely in the Word. Now, the last time that I had the privilege of standing in for Pastor Mike wasn't too long ago. And I came in and I had, uh, I shared a verse that was talking about, uh, since we were in the season, about talking about the Lord's return and, and, and going through wonderful scriptures and the teaching that Pastor Mike brought to us about, about end time scenarios. And one of them, that the verse that I shared with with y'all on on that Sunday, not too long ago, was the one verse that says, "All of you who have this hope," and it was talking about the hope of seeing Jesus face to face when He comes back for us. Everyone who has that hope does what? They do something. Anyone who has a hope for a return of the Lord does something. And that is one of those little verses in Scripture that you're going to have to write it down because I don't, you know, sometimes my memory isn't what it used to be. When I was younger, I'd have that memorized and just spit it right out to you. But I can tell you the verse. That if you have the hope of the return of the Lord, if you're watching and waiting for His return, there's one thing that you do. And Paul said this. You purify yourself. You say, oh, wait a minute, I can't, you, I, you know, that's a, that's getting saved of works. I'm not talking about getting saved. I'm talking about those, those who are saved. What do you do? It's the same thing to use a, to use a, um, a suitable analogy, a, a comparative, um, in the Gospels is when, on the Last Supper, where where Jesus went to wash Peter's feet, and he goes, hey, he says, not just my feet then, then wash all of me. And Jesus looked at him, and he said, not all of you is dirty. Make sense? Just your feet are dirty. Peter, you've been washed. Just your feet are dirty. And so that's why I want to bring to you some things this morning and just say to you, we must be in a continual state of guarding our relationship with the Lord, because our relationship was was secured in the context of purity. Who else could stand before the Lord without His purity, without that price? Your life is not your own. You were purchased with a price, with a price, a high price. And so... We purify ourselves. And so this morning I want to bring to you on that uh, a little bit further along in, in the, in that same flow. I want to talk to you about things that defile. Things that defile. And the first 
verse I want to, verse, uh, section of scripture is Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And Larry is faithful and kind to put that up there for me. So I say, this is Paul speaking, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, in this little section of Scripture, we have one little element that is a big part of our lives in Christ. And and nowadays, you don't you won't even hear anything like this preached because it's war. There's war going on. Where? Oh, yeah, I know. Ukraine. I know. Over in the Middle East. Yeah, I know. Over in... No. In here. Are you saved? There's war going on in you. You do not do what you always want to do or should do because your flesh rises up and says to that Spirit of God who dwells in you, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in you. How marvelous. And he goes on to say, and he says this war, the acts of the flesh, 17 acts of the flesh, boom, right here, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, playing pool downtown, idolatry, going to movies, witchcraft, going to the bowling alley, hatred, playing cards. Does it say that? Excuse me, but I'm a bit of a maverick, and I always will be. I didn't go through the pastor mill. I was called the day I got saved. Thank you, Jesus, for all the pain and the struggles. <laughs> the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity. Now, how, how big of an umbrella of sin and filth does impurity fit under? What well, comes under impurity? Debauchery, idolatry, greed. Wanting more of anything is idolatry. Witchcraft. That's rebellion. I'm, I'm giving you the word here. It's in the word, these things I'm saying. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Have you seen discord lately? Oh, it's ugly. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, 
that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. (laughs) After he gives 17 examples of what filth is, he comes back and he says, and the like. How much will fit under that? And so, we have this war, battles, and it it rages in you. So where the Lord would speak to you, and you're already involved in this stuff, whatever it is that He doesn't want you involved with, you lose your ability to hear Him. If you become anxious with something, you lose your ability to hear Him. And the devil knows that, but I'm telling you, the devil is not your number one problem. I've always said this. I wish everybody had demons so we could just cast them out. You can't cast out the flesh. Cannot. That is the one thing the Lord wants you to win. He wants you to fight that battle and win. And it's throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, it's throughout the New Testament. And nowadays, you're not going to hear a whole lot about it. I'm not saying I'm anything special. I'm Mr. I'm just Mr. Simple. And this is pretty simple stuff. So much so, it's just uncomplicated. You knew this. But a reminder, there's a battle going on inside of you. As soon as you walk out these doors, or maybe even as you're sitting here, your mind wants to drift outside of the things of God. There is a way to win. And I want to share with you, number one, where the battle's ground is, and then how you can win. And it's not difficult. The war. Talk about the war for a second. James chapter 4 talks about the Holy Spirit that's given to us that wars jealously inside of us. Is there a worse emotion, most unpleasant emotion than jealousy? Maybe it's been a while since you've been jealous. I think back of my high school days of when I was jealous over somebody. Or, hey, Not only thinking about jealous yourself, but how about, you know, if you... If you bump into somebody who's jealous, what if you're the cause of their jealousy? Don't you know that jealous people, wars are started over jealousy. Wars have been started over jealousy. Jealousy. What's God's first name? He says, my name is Jealous. How would you like to make God jealous? You ever think about that? The things that we do that are apart from Him, do not glorify Him and have no eternal substance, give that some thought. That He has placed the Holy Spirit in you to convict you of whatever it is when you get outside of God's will for your life, whatever you get too far outside of His will, He will let you know. And He'll do that 
by the Holy Spirit. Why does he do that? Is he trying to keep us saved? He's trying to let us know how he feels. It's amazing, but we as the children of God should know what angers God and what he loves. How to please him and how to displease him. Those very things, we ought to have a pretty clear picture. If we don't, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And he lets us know why. James 4 talks about it and Rip's paraphrase goes like this. He placed the Spirit of God in us to war in us with the jealousy of God because jealous is God's first name. He is jealousy personified. That's the war that's going on in us. And we wonder why we need to do this and we're jealous over this and man, I can't get my mind straight. And, and you know, if you come to a place of peace first, 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 first. Seek ye later on in the day the kingdom of God and his righteousness? No. First. Give him, I'm not talking about getting up at 5 a.m. every morning, okay? Because I can't do that. I wouldn't tell you to do that. No. Seeking him first means putting him first. Putting him first in everything that you do. Everything. And that's a habit. That's a discipline. Why? Because the flesh is at war in us telling us not to do that. Anything that is contrary to what the Lord is telling us in Scripture, it is in us because we just read that. It's contrary. Contrary. The flesh is contrary to the will of God. Does not do what God wants. What the Holy Spirit is telling us. Oh. The Holy Spirit is your friend, by the way. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, by the way. He'll, he'll bring you back into comfort if you're not comfortable. He'll bring you there. He'll show you how to get there. If you are not comfortable sinning, if you're not comfortable in outright running from God, if you are not comfortable in that, it's because the Holy Spirit is saying God loves you and He wants you and He wants you back. He wants you back. <sighs> And he can make you most unpleasant. And when you come through that victorious, you just look back and say, God, thank you. Thank you. He who has saved you is able to keep you. He's able to save you. He's able to keep you. But you got to help him. There's a war going on inside of you. You must win. I cannot be more emphatic about that. Oh, look at life through that lens. Look at difficulty through that lens. And you will see a whole different picture of things when you come out the other side. You'll see truth. And it'll be as plain as day. I had a friend who, still have a friend, he didn't die. And we're still friends. We went to a, a Kim Clement 
conference. And if you didn't know who Kim Clement was, maybe he's he's gone on to be with the Lord, sadly, to see him go, but he's in his reward now. But Kim Clement is a prophet, and he had just a different kind of way of ministering uh, his prophetic anointing. <laughs> and I took my friend to that. My friend was my worship leader. And I wanted him to be exposed to every type and kind of move in the spirit, whether it was right on or not. But through my friend, it seemed like everything was not right because it wasn't right with him. And so I thought, well, Lord, let's knock a little bit off him. I'm going to take him to Kim Clement. Lord, have your way with him. So after after the, the service, and and no, he didn't like anything of it. Me, I just like to see people hungry for God. I mean, they could be hungry for a whole lot of other things. But my friend had a, a, a problem with having a critical spirit. That's not a gift of the Holy Spirit, by the way. You know, being able to criticize someone is not a type of anointing. Maybe from the devil, maybe from your flesh. And it kind of bothered me a little bit every now and then. But we went out to dinner that night, and, and dinner was nothing fancy. After that, you go to White Castle. You know, that, that was okay. And uh, we were sitting there at White Castle's, and my friend had a distraught look on his face. And he goes, man, he says, something's bothering me. And I said, what is bothering you? And he says, I just wish God would kill this thing in me. I wish he'd just take it. I wish, I wish it would just go away, this thing that I'm struggling with. I looked at him. And I quoted him a verse I'm going to read to you, Romans 8, 13. I said, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Ooh, want to read that again? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Boy, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict in that, isn't there? There's a lot of unpleasantries in that, you know, and this is, this is what the, the universalist church, the Unitarian church, the, 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 the God is good all the time, and He is, and He is, the churches that talk about, you know, all the good things, live your best life now, and all of that stuff. That won't be quoted because there's a lot of difficulty in this. And I'll be the first to admit it, but you will live. If according to the flesh, if you're living according to the flesh, you will die. Why? Because there's a war going inside of you, right? What happens in war? Something dies. Something wins and something loses. So there's a lot of battles that we have to fight that God wants us to win. In my, 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 God help my friend. He was, he was sitting at the table after something I knew was going to rile him up. In fact, I was just waiting for his opinion of things, you know, which he had a few. And uh, I was just waiting for him to, to bring it up. And the best he could do was what God was bothering him with. And he said, he said, I just wish God would take this from me. I, I just, 
this struggle, this, this thing in me. I looked at him and this verse came alive. And I looked at him and I said, why are you waiting for God to do something? Kill it. And he looks at me and he says, yeah, you're right. Remember that? We call them memes now, but back then it was a bumper sticker or a patch back in my days. We didn't have memes. Why? Because we didn't have internet. It was two buzzards in a tree and one buzzard's looking at the other and, and they're looking down and at a, at a prospective meal that they're waiting for to die and one of them says, patience, I'm gonna kill something. And I looked at him and I said, you remember that? And he says, yeah. And I said, that's scripture. That the Lord wants you to hear right now. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, it's going to kill you if you don't kill it. This is hand-to-hand combat in the spirit. Kill it. Now, it really is that serious, isn't it? It really is that serious. I'll tell you what. Go back to the early days of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And a little conversation between between Cain and the Lord. And the Lord looks at Cain and he says, Why are you so distraught? Why? He had a look on his face, a countenance on his face that portrayed a murderous spirit that was in him. And he was about to commit the first murder. And the Lord said to him, Sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. What if the Lord was just that, that obvious, makes things that clear to us? Do you know He does? If He doesn't, you aren't, you're either in the flesh too much, you love that thing too much, you, you have no intentions of laying it down, and the Lord by His loving grace is telling you, kill it. Get rid of it. Let it go. Do what is right. And you will live. That's what he told Cain. In fact, Abel would have lived, but that wasn't the way it was. The war. The war. To do right or to do wrong. If this is hard to take this morning... I beg you, have another look at it when you leave here. Have another look at Scripture. Because there are many, many verses that deal with this battle. So where are the battlegrounds? Wouldn't it be great if I could rattle off all 17 like Paul did to the Galatians? Galatians 5. That's the same, you know, that is the same chapter that he comes back and he gives the, the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit. So they would know the contrast between the two. Read on that later. God has given you everything you need to fight. Everything you need to win. We can do this. So what are the battlegrounds? Well, it's it's pretty simple, really. You know, this is not a complicated sermon. Very simple. There are three areas 
where we will struggle to do right or wrong. Our own words. Turn with me to, or read on the wall, uh, Matthew 15, 10 and 11. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouths, that is what defiles them. Defiles. Talking about purity and holiness being the greatest thing that we could possess that has eternal value and has any value here on this earth. Defilement is what destroys it, pushes it out, displaces it. Defile. You know one thing that defiles a body of Christ, a local body? Oh my, this is profound. Bitterness. Because someone in their flesh doesn't want to forgive. Why? Because they want to get back at somebody. And because it feels good to not forgive, it's powerful. In Hebrews, it says to be careful lest a root of bitterness springs up and defiles many. Many. Bitterness does not defile just you. There is a safety net. You know, like the flying Wallendas never had a safety net. God gives us a safety net for the wild and crazy things he has us do. And that safety net is called this. Forgiveness. And it'll keep you from being bitter. You will not get into heaven bitter. Doesn't happen. You have lost something along the way. You have lost your relationship with the Lord. It's that strong. Words. Words. It was Jesus who said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever, have you ever gauged what's in your heart? By listening to what you speak through the day? You really should because other people have to listen to you. <laughs> well, the Lord spoke that to me a long time ago and, and, and I'm still working on it. You know, like James says, you know, James, the first book of conviction, he says, he says the tongue is a, it's an unruly member. Yes, it is. Who can tame it? I sure can't. But I've learned how to watch after it and keep it shut. And just ask God, help me not be saying insensitive things that hurt people. But I know this for sure, that if I'm speaking bitter things, I know it right away. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me alerting me. Listen to your speech. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's one of the first areas of conflict. And that's where we will be defiled. Jesus said that. He's talking to the, to the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees were the ones that 
what they were criticizing Jesus, you know, thinking him just a terrible teacher, you know, not teaching his his disciples to to wash their hands before eating and and so Jesus just said, "Listen, it's not it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you." It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Defile. Defilement. Do you have a definition for defilement? That's a working definition right there. Listen to what you say to know what is in your heart. That is a gauge. We don't have gauges on our dash anymore. My vehicles do. I don't want to wait for that check engine light to come on. Or that little little Holy Spirit nudge that says, Rip, you're talking like an unredeemed person. Rip, remember how you talked before you got saved? Yes, Lord. I don't want you talking like that. That's how he speaks to me. Would to God I would go back and talk like I did when I first got saved. How about you? Yeah. Do you see the battle? Do you see the war? Oh, but wait, there's more. How about our thoughts? So rip, I, I can think things and not commit a sin. Yes, you can. That's between you and the Lord, not you and other people. When you speak, you can sin against other people, but when you think, how about this? Remember when Jesus said, he said, you've heard it said like this, but if any man even thinks about committing adultery or looks upon a woman lustfully, he commits adultery. Have you read that? You know, I heard that before I got saved. I thought I was an okay person before I got saved. Yeah, I know I wasn't perfect. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Before I got saved, and I was working with a, another teenager, and we were doing teenage kind of work, you know, labor outside, and, and we, were, we were splashing ourselves off in a creek because we were sweating so hot working on trees. And, and, and this young guy, he was a born-again Christian. He told me that right away. He says, he says I'm a born-again Christian. And I looked at him and I got real nervous. I'm like, oh, great. I saw Jesus when I was four years old and I knew what it was to be unsaved and saved. And I knew I was not saved when I was four years old. Okay? That goes back a ways. doesn't make me better than anybody. It just means I walked in conviction of the Lord for 19 years. And he helped that day. He asked me, he says, do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. And he's going to start preaching to me, okay? And he says, he says, how about that, that girl over there? What do you think of her? And I said, you know, he says, what would your girlfriend say? And, and I said, she would tell me, it's okay. Just look, don't touch. And he looks at me and he says, any man who thinks on a woman lustfully commits adultery in his heart, in his thoughts. Can we sin in our thoughts? I know one thing for sure. 
if I, I pray, Lord, cleanse my thoughts, it's very well that I know I've already confessed. I can sin in my thoughts. He knows your every thought. Oh, everything that you think, He knows. Give it to Him. Win that war. Win. Win, win. Do not lose. And there's another one. And this is this just three of them here this morning. Just three. Your words, your thoughts. And then there's things done and things undone. Do you have things that are undone with God? Why? I mean, within your ability to finish. Have no unfinished business with God. Why? Because we are not granted another moment we're not granted another hour or day and here we go through life wanting to commit deeds of revenge why oh they don't mess with me i'm going to i'm going to get back at them one way or another really really let the lord cleanse that forgive forgive One of the things that we have to do falls under, all of it falls under obedience, but no, it falls under love. Three times in John 14, three times, John 14. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. If you love me, you'll do what I say. And then he says, he who does what I say, he's the one that loves me. Okay, was that clear? (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's like if I'm with Jesus, I'm not going to let him say three times without that taking root and grow in my life. Don't do something because you have to. Do something because you want to. I think of the struggles of the things that, and I want to, and I, I don't want to forget this part, so I want to revisit it, okay? Is that alright with you? Here's another one. Men as well as women can look at, a, at another person lustfully. Men and women. What did Job say? You know, Job had something to say about that. In fact, Larry, if you'd put that up, please. Job 31.1. This is what Job did. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. And young to him could have been 60 or 70 because he was very old. Age here is 
You know, it applies to everybody. But this is what he said. I made a covenant with my eyes. Eyes, knock it off. Jesus said, he went one further, didn't he? You know, Jesus said, "Mm -hmm. anyone sins with their eye, better to pluck it out and go into heaven with one eye. No, I will make a covenant with my eyes. I can, yeah, I can do that, Lord. Thank you. We must win this war. Remember, that's going on all the time. In fact, if there's ever a conflict, live out of... Okay, just another two cents here. Live out of a life of peace. (laughs) To my friend CJ, my brother, a default setting, if you will, okay? Okay. A life of peace is your default setting, is it not? A life of peace. It doesn't mean everything will be calm. Okay, that's where we go wrong is thinking a life of peace, everything is calm. I'm talking about on the inside. Not striving. Not chasing after things or people trying to get revenge. A life of peace. Not trying to stir things up. Not trying to poke your nose into other people's business. Out of a default setting of peace. That's what He has given for us. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians. Things done and undone. Have you ever chased something down the wrong path and the Lord says, I'm just going to watch and see how far down this path he'll go. Let's, let's see if he really knows me like he says he knows me and is comfortable in that and is being guided by me and being in my will and, and, and he said, I'm just going to let, I'm going to let Rip chase down this thing for a while. And I did. You know what it was? It was, it was, in between a pastorate, way back when, in between pastorates, and I was, and I, and the Lord gave me a job, and a job to get me through, a job that was okay, and it was the job that He wanted me to have, right? But along came another offer. Why? Because I didn't like the job that I had. I didn't. <laughs> Until, I started chasing down this job. It came down to two applicants and finally the, the guy calls me and he says, I want to, I want to meet with you and we're going to talk about a, a trip to Chicago for your training. And, and all of a sudden I said, okay. And from that point on, I was miserable. I was miserable. Now, remember what I said about a default setting of peace? Back in the, back in the hippie movement, Jesus people days, we had the saying, even in 1981, we had a saying of, I don't have a peace about that, I'm not gonna go there. Ever use that? You ever hear that anymore? I don't hear it anywhere. Or another one was, I got a burden to do this. And it was always a godly thing. 
But the Lord let me chase down that. And I was on the couch one night. My kids were small and, and my wife and I were just watching TV and I was, you know, getting ready to go to bed and cause, cause I, my nighttime was pretty early cause I got up really early and, and you know, yeah, I really, I really didn't mind the job. I just wanted a better one. I wanted one that paid a little bit more. And I was miserable. My wife says, are you okay? And I said, I'm going to be. Because I identified out of that default setting of peace, out of that setting, I was able to spot the will of God and not the will of God. And I knew that if I called this guy up, the next, I, I, I absolutely determined in my heart that moment that I'm going to call that guy tomorrow and I'm going to tell him, give it to the other applicant. I, I, I'm withdrawing my application. Because he was going to give it to me. He was getting ready to send the other guy and he chose me. He wanted me to go down for training in Chicago and all of that stuff and come back and make all kinds of money. And he says, are you sure you want to do this when I, when I call him? And I said, I'm sure. I said, the God that I serve. And I became a witness that there is such a God. The God that I serve has not given me any peace about this whatsoever. And when I determined in my heart to withdraw my application by way of this phone call in this very moment, I said I had an incredible sense of a return of that peace to my heart. And I let it go. We come out of a default setting of peace. And the Holy Spirit secures that for you and I, provides that for you and I, and will not let you be at rest if there's something of the flesh in you. And, oh, things will go wrong, and and you'll blame it on this or that, but the truth of the matter is God might be trying to get your attention to let it go. Ooh. I've had him do that. Let me share with you in the last couple of minutes then something, some, a strategy I want to give you. A simple strategy that's rich with the power of God. And not my strategy, the Bible strategy, a verse. Okay? God help me sound like I'm boasting here. Sound like a TV preacher. The Lord called me into ministry early on. And I was still an electrician. And I was ready to take my test for journeyman's. Take my test for journeyman's. Man, I, I can do some things with that. And the boss would have to pay me a little bit more. And, and he had me wiring a place by myself to see how I would do and what I would learn. And everything was going too good. And I, it was a fire hall of all places for an apprentice in training for journeyman to be wiring. Of course, my boss would come by, and then every now and then, uh, one of the um, the other journeymen or masters would come by and watch and see how I'm doing, check my work, and make sure everything's okay, and I'd give an account at the end of the day. Well, there was one day, everything was going really good. It's a far cry from two years before that when all I could do was change a light bulb. 
But I started feeling pretty good, you know. And then one day, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. And then there came a point where I recognized I was outside of that default setting of peace. I took my tool pouch off. I got into a corner by myself in that place of construction, and, and I dropped my tool belt, called on the floor. And I looked up at God, and I said, God, what is going on? And he spoke to me very clearly. When you were that clear with the Lord, he's often very clear with you. And he said, Rip, I didn't call you to do this the rest of your life. I said, wow. Grabbed my pouch, buckled it up, continued the day. Everything changed. We must learn that place of peace. Learn it. And know what it is to get out of it. That's how you win this war. That's how you win that fight with the flesh. Is you got to recognize that and quickly. Okay, final verse. First John, excuse me, nope, not yet. This one I want to give you is where it's found in Second Corinthians. 10.5, and Larry doesn't have that one. Uh, take every thought captive and bring it into the subject, in subjection to the obedience of Christ. Take how many thoughts captive? Take every thought captive. What's that mean? You can figure it out. Don't let those little thoughts run around in your head. Yes, you can sin in your thoughts, but before it gets to that point, wrap them up, tie them up, take them captive, and say, Jesus, I'm bringing you this thought. Take it. Do that. Do that. See if it works. It will. That's the secret. Take every thought captive. Okay. Now, having said all that, all of that, 1 John 1 9. Do you have it memorized? Memorize this, please. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and Oh, there's more. Package deal. And cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. So it's like if you get a speeding ticket. You know, you can pay the court and and be forgiven. But that all unrighteousness part is if your right foot doesn't get saved, you're going to get another speeding ticket. Okay, did that explain that? that wake you up a little bit? Okay, I know it's been a long haul here. But you know what? It, that's, that's what that all unrighteousness, that all unrighteousness is that iniquity, that flesh that's in us that wants to be contrary. Wants to be contrary. Get the right foot saved and you'll stop. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll stop getting speeding tickets. Amen? Would you stand with me, please?
Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me? Jackie, would you come up and play softly? Lord, your servant said a lot. Lord, I've given every word that you've given me to give, to share. And Lord, I know that there might be someone here this morning that's struggling with these things. Others, it just explains and confirms things. Others, it greatly encourages. And Lord, I love that part. But Lord, if there's someone struggling here this morning, oh God, hear their confession. First John 1 9. If we confess, If you've been further away from the Lord than you thought you'd ever be and you wonder how in the world did this happen, go back to your base setting. Confess any and all sin to receive any and all unrighteousness being cleansed. Lord, thank you for cleansing us. Hallelujah. You're so good. Lord, for the one that has been needing encouragement, Lord, that you'd lift them up. They've come to the right place today because you're here. Lord, I pray that whatever they were wanting from this visit this morning, God, that they've received. Lord, I don't know what people bring in through the doors, Lord, as they drive here. But Lord, today can be a day of new beginnings. Anytime, anywhere in you, Jesus, is always a new start. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would be upon them Holy Spirit would be liberally poured out on them. Lord, may there be a confidence and a joy that goes with them out the doors today. Thank you, Jesus.